I've got another fun-filled episode of Ready, Steady, Cark. And I've got a Mary Mary who was quite contrary. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> This is new. Have we joined? Have we done the same one? I think it's Typhoid Mary, isn't it? it? Despite saying this was going to be a refuge from the cares of the outside world, we have both gone for the only thing that could trigger anyone listening yeah. uh, who is currently upset about their situation. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello there. Welcome to Date Fight. Hello. We're going to do this anyway and see what happens. I don't care. Yes. Um, it's the podcast where ordinarily we take uh, things disparate things that have occurred on this day in history mm. and we pitch them against each other but we appear to have a unanimity today yes he's jake yap i'm nat tapley and can you tell what was on our minds we both seem to have chosen exactly the same thing we could not mention it though no it's uh it would be remiss uh, are we both going to 1915 we certainly are and Typhoid Mary. Mm. Well, how do you get a and nickname I, like that? I didn't know that she... I sort of did know that she was real, but I didn't know much about her at all before this. I just imagined she was a sort of more of a, a figure from folklore rather than an actual person whose name and address we know. Don't go near her. Yeah. Uh, so she was uh, born in County Tyrone mm-hmm. and went to the States and worked as a cook. Yes. And what is wrong with that? Precisely. Mary Mellon. Well, <laughs> Nothing's wrong with it, unless you are the first human known to be a carrier of typhoid. Thank you for clearing up the fact that her name was Mary Mallon uh, and not, she wasn't actually, it wasn't like a nominative determinism thing. No. What should we call her? Mary McTyphoid. Yeah, we'll call her Mary Typhoid. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. McTyphoid. Mrs. McTyphoid, it's a bouncing baby girl. In 1900, she went to uh, Maranonek in New York and for two weeks. Within two weeks of her getting a job there, um, all the residents got typhoid. In 1901, she went to Manhattan to the family of a lawyer. Uh, they all got ill. She then went on to another lawyer's house where seven out of eight people got ill. Mm. In 1906, she went to work for a family who holidayed at Oyster Bay, New York, and 10 out of the 11 members of the family got ill. And it was there that someone employed George Soper. Yes. To come and investigate. Why did my family all get typhoid? Yes. Um, and the only, I think he must have looked through a lot of stuff before he came to, oh, they just hired a new cook and she's gone now. Um, and then he traced her back and went, oh, oh, she was at lots of places where people seem to have got lots of typhoid. Unfortunately, having no fixed abode and being a cook who lived generally with the people she worked for, it was difficult to find her. So it took him a while to catch up with her. Yeah, it was amazing. And she, um, she was quarantined once. Hmm. Well, originally he he tried to he asked her if she would give urine and stool samples so he could check. Yeah, and she disliked that idea so much she locked herself in the bathroom until he left the house. Yeah. Which ironically was the perfect place for a urine and yes. stool sample <laughs> to be provided had she been so inclined. Yeah, and uh, th- there was something he 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 said that um, he said well, I'll write a book mm. and you can have the royalties. Yeah, and she went no. Like, what, what, what's that all about? Yeah, she's like. I think no, he was saying weird. anything to try and get her into quarantine because she refu- kept refusing to go. In fact, ran away at one point, didn't she? She yeah, and so she he couldn't find her and put her into quarantine. Yeah, but he did. He got up with her in 1907. So yes. Uh, anyway, she she was finally released mm. from quarantine as long as she promised uh, <laughs> never to work as a cook again. Now, do you promise? Absolutely promise. This is very important, Mary. 
And she had to stop being a cook. Yes. Because being a cook, you came into contact with people's food. Yeah. And if she infected the food, then they would get typhoid. Yeah. So So she promised to stop being a cook. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be a laundress. I'll be a laundress. Oh, the money Mm. is terrible. Ah, oh, yeah, it was terrible. Terrible money being, money a, being a laundry. Uh, maybe I could do a bit of cooking. I do a bit of cooking. Yeah, and off she went again. And Sopo started trying to find her again. Yeah, and she changed. She her kept name. changing jobs and names. Yeah, she changed her she name called... to Mary Brown. She was a different. Yeah, man. you're already called Typhoid Mary. The yeah. Mary is the yeah. bit you want yeah. to change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She called herself Yellow Fever Mary. They had no idea. They couldn't imagine where she. was. She went to the Sloan Hospital for Women, where she infected 25 different people, of whom at least two died. Uh, She then ran away from the Sloan Hospital for Women, but the police eventually caught up with her. And she was kept in quarantine until 1938. Yeah. Until she died. And then she she was allowed to work as a technician, wasn't she? Mm. Uh, In uh, Long Island. Yeah. And she, she was, she could have been let out had she been willing to have her gallbladder removed, but she always refused to have her gallbladder removed. So she was in quarantine for twenty three years. It was beautiful. Own... It was a beautiful gallbladder. <laughs> everyone, it was really. Everyone said it was really infected. Yeah, every... it was so infected with typhoid. <laughs> yeah, but everyone said it was. Um, it was the best gallbladder. Apparently, there were other people around the same time who were carriers of typhoid. There was uh, typhoid John. Yes. Um, Alphonse Cottills and. Tony Labella, who they didn't call Typhoid Tony, which would, I mean, <laughs> that's a name. <laughs> Typhoid Tony. I think I think he'd. I think that had been copyrighted by a breakfast cereal manufacturer. <laughs> <laughs> They're really infectious. They're very dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> so that, uh, and apologies for whatever unwanted thoughts that has brought to mind this morning as we talked about the importance of isolating yourself yes. and self isolation and not having to be forced into quarantine and then escaping and changing your name and going to work by spitting on people's food that is not the correct way of doing things no it is absolutely not she uh is estimated to have caused 50 fatalities yeah and let's just bear all of that in mind shall we yes good just you know yeah keep your distance it's not difficult we're not in the same room doing this anymore we're no. doing it from far far away it's but you'd never know would you you can still <laughs> feel the same stilted <laughs> contempt dripping out <at> you <laughs> The same awkward rolling over each other's conversations. That still happens. <laughs> Let's do the... Yeah, yes. we do the... Let, uh, let, do the <laughs> but, yeah, no, you go. Oh, sorry. Oh, you, okay. No, no, no. Birthdays. Okay, happy birthday to Domenico Lally, the opera librettist from the 18th century, who, in 19th... Yes, 18th century, who's only really... Uh, fun before he changed his name to Domenico Lally. He was born as Sebastiano Biancardi, which must mean white cardigan as far as I can tell. Um, <laughs> and his parents died when he was very young. And he was adopted by uh, Neapolitan nobles. And in 1692, his adoptive father died too, leaving him as heir to his fortune. He was 18 years old and he'd spent it all by the age of 26. That's some good so, going. Yeah, but at 1700, he went to be a cashier at the Bank of Santissima Annunziati. In 1706, the Bank of Santissima Annunziati noticed there was a lot of money missing from somewhere. Uh Uh, So he ran away at the age of 32, leaving his wife and 13 children. (laughs) 
Wow. Yeah, that's some going. He went to Rome where he met and befriended uh, someone who wrote operas, who started writing operas based on his libretti. Um, they were hanging around one day drinking, we see, when they were robbed by one of their servants and they ran away from Rome because they were afraid that the servant would come back and beat them up again. Uh, they were left destitute. They headed to Venice. They were arrested on the way for not having passports, internal passports. Um, and that's when they changed their name. He became Domenico Lali. When they arrived in Venice, it all got a little more boring. He just wrote lots of, not the good operas, not the ones you've heard of, no. lots of Scarlatti and, uh, you know, other ones. You, you wouldn't you wouldn't know them. I had a look. I didn't know them. No. I got... Anyway, he left... Yeah, go on. 22 libretti, various books of poetry. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the interesting bits when he's nicking money and running around the country. Oh, you know what they say, 13 under 13. Oh, Hardest <laughs> game in the world, that. Yeah. Well, I've got another composer for you, but uh, and, and sort of a little obscure, but but shouldn't be as obscure as as he perhaps is. Not to those who know, yeah. but Arthur Bliss, uh, who oh. died in 1975 on this day. He uh, was a composer, obviously, and uh, served as director of music at the BBC from 1942 to 1944. He was very passionate about the sort of promulgation of music and uh, fostering composers. And he laid the foundations for the launch of the third programme after the war. So mm. if you're slowly slipping into that age where you think, I think maybe <laughs> I'll give Radio 3 a try. Oh, I quite like this. Uh, you've got Bliss to thank for it. Hooray. He served on the music committee during the war of the British Council, mm -hmm. together with Vaughan Williams and William Walton. And he wrote lots of pieces of posh, music but uh you the ones that you know you might want to sniff out would be his score for alexander corder's 1936 film adaptation of hg wells's things to come mm -hmm. he also wrote the little theme signature for abc television oh and it's interval music and uh the last one that i thought was of note was his opus 158 Birthday greetings to the Croydon Symphony Orchestra. <laughs> My favourite of all the symphony orchestras. Yeah, Croydon's the one. Croydon Symphony. Right, uh, we're off to Croydon. Um, yes. We won't get out of the car, obviously. We're self-isolating, and yep. uh, we're sure you are too. Uh, thanks Ooh. very much for being here in these strange times. We'll yes. be back here tomorrow because, let's face it, we don't have we're not going to anywhere, <laughs> and neither are you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we will see you tomorrow. Take yes, care of yourselves. Keep washing your hands and good luck. Look after Bye. each other. Bye. Bye.